greetings and welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a sometimes funny, trying to be smart podcast covering all things new and classic Trek. Uh, is Ahura here? Uh, y'all are great, but um, I really, is Ahura here hanging out? I am your captain, Mariah Gossett, and with me on the view screen, we have... Clyde Haynes. I'm going to be not that funny today, I promise. Worf's honor. Uh, uh, and I'm your uh, red shirt in a buffer. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, And tonight we are joined by a special guest, uh, a friend of the pod, friend from Comic-Con, here to help us out as we tackle two entire episodes in one podcast session. Uh, Giraffe, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. I didn't know I had to be funny. I I didn't know that. That's why we say sometimes funny. Sometimes funny. Okay. I love your shirt, Giraffe. Trying. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk about the shirt at the end of the <laughs> pod. <laughs> I have some codes for you if you want it. Not too expensive. That's great. <laughs> and then we can all be uh, number one posters in our hearts. For those listening, um, Giraffe is wearing an Ad Astra per Aspera t-shirt. Yes. And we will get some more information about how we can get those shirts at a discount from Giraffe because she's so generous with all of us. A little bit later, we are covering episodes seven and eight of the second season of Strange New Worlds. Uh, just for logistics purposes, we're going to talk about 207, those old scientists first, and then we will delve into um, 208 under the cloak of war after that. So we'll try to keep it fairly divided. There'll be some mishmashing, I'm sure, but just for continuity's sake. So if you haven't watched 208 yet, you can hang out here for 207 and hang out and chat with us. And then uh, once you've watched 208, you can jump into that as well. Um, Those Old Scientists coming up first is directed by the one and only Jonathan Frakes. It is written by Catherine Lynn and Bill Walkoff. Um, And just a couple of reminders before we dive into um, some spicy thoughts and takes. Um, Paul, how can people support the podcast? Well, first you can subscribe to our podcast at Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All links are at StarTrekPod.co. And if you love our content, and we hope you do, for just $2 at Patreon, you could uh, you could help us out at Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. Indeed. And if you are a member of our Patreon, I just posted a bunch of behind-the-scene videos uh, and some photos of Clyde and I doing the experience on the Comic-Con floor, so you can see those all on the Patreon. Um, Clyde, I'm a patron. Oh. I'm a patron. Oh, thank you, Giraffe. <laughs> I love that we are. I'm also a patron of Strange New Pod. So <laughs> I was like, I like seeing what everyone's doing. Um, Clyde, how can people interact with us if they are hanging out with us on YouTube? Write us a note, leave it in the transporter buffer, and we'll get it as long as we've got some space. No, seriously, uh, if you're watching us live on YouTube, just type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat, and we will take a look at your question, your comment, your thought. And in a moment, we're going to get into our overall thoughts of the show. And if you want to share yours, just type capital H, capital F, capital HF in the chat, and we will take a look at your thoughts about the overall episode seven so i guess we'll do this again when we get to eight we're gonna do double double takes tonight double takes okay i think it's maybe time for us to jump into a portal remember me and it is time for some hot freaks can't be a hot freaks without a riker uh clyde what did you think about this episode so we're talking about the the 
the crossover episode that Mariah has been waiting weeks and weeks and weeks an entire year for, for. <laughs> yes um and her, we, whole, her whole lifetime for let's face yes. it yes <laughs> exactly there you go that's right you know and even before i tell you what i thought about the episode i it was a surprise to me because i had to leave comic-con a little early and so i was sitting there thinking man i'm so jealous uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Clyde froze. Not us. He's in, he, he, he in a time, like you know, a time paradox. He's and he's getting sucked through the portal. That's right. No, no. It's he needs some. We'll remember Clyde. Yeah. Uh, no. I am I am I there? You're, 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 now you're, you're, you're back. back. We remembered you though, while while okay, you were gone. You promised. I I I was excited that I got to actually see it on Saturday, like everybody else. So um, I, I was super excited. I couldn't wait. I stopped everything I was doing to watch it. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, I thought it was fun. It was very interesting to see Boimler, Boim, like around the <laughs> the Enterprise. Um, you know, it for it to be a Strange New World episode, it felt like it had a very Lower Decks tone. Um, and I enjoyed that. Like, it was... It was great. And I think my favorite thing about the whole thing was they did something that I thought was kind of genius. And they gave us a little inkling of of this idea that the, the Strange New World Spock that we're seeing doesn't feel like the Spock that we know. And they address it almost in a way to say, hey, this little bit is going to lead to how your the Spock that you know comes back. And I was like, oh, I, great. You take that one thing that I was really kind of struggling with and you solved it for me in a fun episode. I can dig that. Paul, thoughts? Hot freaks. Hot freaks. Uh, 30 seconds. I thought it was it was great. I mean, you, you were sitting in my living room watching it again. You saw me. It, 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 was, it was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but what I really liked about it was that it was uh, it was still Strange New World. Mm -hmm. like you know it, it was like like i knew i was safe when you know uno was talking about the badge and going like uh yeah it's also a calm like like but i like the flippy thing that's the best part like you know that little bit part you know i was like oh it's gonna be okay it's gonna they're, they're gonna do it they're gonna do both both justice i thought that was great indeed giraffe thoughts i this was everything I expected. I was a bit scared. He's gone. Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> um, what did I say? Um, um, I mean, I I was scared of that episode because I don't think I could have had survived it being bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was very anxious and um, it delivered on so many levels because it's funny but it's also very deep and I needed some black joy in my life and it gave me that. So perfect episode for me. And uh, one of my favorite, I already watched it like five or six times, I think. 
Yeah. I mean, I, we, we watched it together in a big room at Comic-Con and it was Mm -hmm. like such a fun episode to watch with a giant group of people. There was laughs, there was cheers. Um, it was, it was a great time, but then as soon as like, I mean, I got into Los Angeles and was staying with Paul, who's a very generous and wonderful friend, even if he doesn't like to, (laughs) to highlight that on the internet. Um, and I got there and it was like one o'clock in the morning already. And Paul puts it on and I was like, I'm just going to, I was like, I'll just watch the beginning and then I'm going to go to bed. And then I sat and watched the entire thing because it was just so good. My expectations were high. It truly exceeded them. It was like everything I love about Lower Decks and everything I love about Strange New Worlds truly put together in a beautiful combination that, um, like you said, Giraffe, it had heart and it had depth. Um, I appreciated the speed and the humor and the jokes. Um, but it felt like we were truly still in the world. It didn't feel like we broke the world to make this happen. So I, I agree all the way around. Um, probably my favorite episode. I think like we, we did a top 10, um, like our top episode recommendations to get people into Star Trek panel, Clyde, Giraffe and I, and I think I'm going to have to make an, an, an addendum because I, this is on the list now. <laughs> really? Yeah. But now what goes off the list? Uh, that that is the more complicated question. I will figure that out sometime. Um, let's see what the chat has to say about a couple of these hot freaks. Hot freak from Tataco. Uh, Boimler and number one at the end in the transporter room. I teared up a bit. Agreed. I thought that was a really sweet moment. Um, Kian funny and heartwarming while still advancing Strange New World story arcs. Plus Boimler giving great advice to Pike. 10 out of 10. And from Carmen, I loved episode seven. I know I'll go back and watch it often. It was pure fun. I think pure fun is a great descriptor of this episode. Um, Okay. So the first like moment that gave me like screams and I was so excited was the animated opening titles. (laughs) I was obsessed with the amount of, because that's a lot of work to redo Mm -hmm. the full title sequence. I mean, hats off to the entire animation department that put that together. I don't know what the little worm thing is that like sucks on the back of the nacelles, but I'm glad that that made an appearance. Um, And I think it truly set the tone that this was going to be like a beautiful mashing of these two worlds. Um, We do start out in our animated world, which was like a little bit, uh, it it was a surprise. I thought we were fully going to be like completely live action, but I loved starting out in our lower decks world. And what did you think of, um, you know, Mariner's kind of setting this tone of like, oh, I'm still too cool for school. I'm just trying to get on Ransom's good side. But we find out at the end of the episode that she actually was the one who requested this because she thought Boimler would like to see the portal. What do y'all think this episode did for Boimler and Mariner's relationship as friends? I mean, I, I think like it's it's par for the course. I don't think it advanced it any. I think like it's like she's always looking out for him and always trying to, you know, get him the things that will make him happy. Like, I think that's what makes Mariner Mariner in the sense that like she, she, she's a, like, she's in an ensign mama bear, <laughs> you know, like, because yeah. I mean, that's, that's, like, yeah. she, takes, she takes care of her friends, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and she wants to, get, she wants everyone to be happy. And, you know, and, and I think that's, uh, I think that this is par for the course and like her losing Boimler, like, you know, uh, to the portal, you could see her stakes in that. So I, I thought it completely uh, within tone. Mm-hmm. Of I I will probably disagree just a teeny bit no. in that 
in that uh, I I thought it did advance their relationship just a little bit. It it I think it strengthened it, in that we're continuing to see Mariner have this kind of Kirk Spock type of relationship. Um, they're very very close, and so yes, it would make sense that when he went into the portal, she was the one who came after him. Right? Like we're thinking, oh, this is just a Boimler in Strange New World episode, but no, we get this piece where Mariner comes after him. Makes sense that they would have this journey together. Nothing against Rutherford or Tendi, but that's what it would be. It was, so I thought that it showed us again, even when they're kind of at odds a little bit, even though when they feel like they're very different, it, it's really, they're the, the dynamic duo. And so I felt like after in this, this episode, I was like, yeah, they're, they're they're really really tight, and I think that matters because I feel like all through the last season of Lower Decks, they didn't seem as tight as they as they were in the season before, and so now I feel like we're returning back to that. I don't know that that just kind of team up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, did we lose Giraffe? No, I okay. I'm back. Am I back? <laughs> yeah, you're back. Yeah. Okay, great. Um. I agree with everybody. I just wanted to see the conversation between Mariner, Tandy, and Rutherford when <laughs> when Boimler was like sent off. I'd say that. Um, um, I think we Mariner is just such an arc that is for me a, a fascinating um, a character arc because she's always misleading you in some ways like she doesn't care but she does uh she wants to be separated but she is central to her group of friends and she's definitely go- becoming the mom but she doesn't want to be the mom mm-hmm. and i identify deep that uh <laughs> that position <laughs> <laughs> in a friends group um, and she cares for everybody and she does care for Boimler because I think she sees in Boimler something that she doesn't have and mm. she sees on, in him something uh, and she sees in herself something that he doesn't have so yeah Spock and Kirk kind of they have like this very healthy balance about the um, opening credits I think we didn't have like different opening credits since Enterprise and the Mirrorverse one? Yeah, I was going to say, I think in Discovery we had the Mirrorverse credits um, and then Discovery has changed their opening credit sequence every season but and so did Picard. For one episode, no, right? But for one-off episodes, I think it's only been Mirror episodes. Mirror episodes, yeah. yeah. So that's a cool, like, new tradition. I hope they, they're going to do more. Yeah, I like the little Easter eggs. It was sort of like in uh, during Picard when the, we have the opening Star Trek swoosh, universe swoosh, and like you would see like the the strike kind of hanging out, and then like the ship would change, and eventually it was the Enterprise at the end. I I, I enjoy when you can see the the like artists of the show having fun with things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I did want to dive into um. You know, we kind of have Boimler dealing with him not wanting to spoil the future, but is also meeting all of his idols. Um, I think Boimler was a really great audience surrogate for a lot of us in this episode. If <laughs> We were meeting all of these people. Um, but I thought he did an interesting job of, of um, 
kind of being the voice of the future on the on the bridge, right? Because there are, and like we, we'll, we'll get into it in, in 208, but there are some deep-seated kind of stereotypes that the Federation has about different um, uh, different aliens, right, at this point. Because every, like Boimler says, like it, the aliens are still aliens at this point. It's still very new. The exploration is still happening. Um, but I liked seeing him kind of come into his own and knowing the future and knowing what is correct and like what... Um, is actually true about all of these different species is uh, and he's like challenging his heroes on the bridge in order to make sure that that happens. So I wanted to, uh, what, what did y'all think of how Boimler and Pike and, and kind of the Boimler treading that line of like, I'm telling you the future, but not telling you the future. <laughs> he was not very good at not telling the future. No one in this episode was. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my first thought was he was not very good at, at, at kind of towing the line, especially compared to like Laan, who mm-hmm. just experienced like the same mm-hmm. thing and who was excellent at like kind of keeping right very serious episode where we're focused on not messing up the timeline, fixing the timeline. And Boimler's like every five seconds, he's like, oops, I wasn't supposed <laughs> to say that. <laughs> well, Laan's um, like the bodyguard and like, you know. Rule number three, never fall in love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is happening here? Very that. Um, uh, but yeah, but overall, I thought I thought it was, uh, again, I thought it was fun, right? Like it was, it, this was a great episode because I felt like it, you know, I love what you said a minute ago, Mariah, about being the surrogate for us. It was, and it didn't take itself so seriously, which when we get into episode eight, which was very serious, um what and i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> like, like, like i was like this is a sort of funny podcast man i laughed my ass off on, like on, on eight okay. oh um, lord uh but i just so i thought this was this was kind of fun like i was like yeah this is this is what you would expect to happen if if one of us was if we suddenly went back in time and saw your like heroes you 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 it's hard to you know to not kind of geek out over these people so i thought it was good yeah i also um shouts to i watched the ready room episode and the um the riker maneuver that boimler pulls Mm -hmm. was improvised um and uh just shouts to jack quaid and tawny newsom for being so freaking funny um and they they talked a lot about how they were like this was our chance to really show like our skills as live action actors to the trek family so they just went all out they were like we gave them so much they were like we felt kind of bad for the editors but not really because they gave them so many options for everything um, and I, and I feel like that came through, you got to see a lot of them being able to, to play. And I thought the Boimler v Spock pairing was really smart. And then I was like, I ha- we have to talk about Mariner and Ahura and just how like lovely that was that there is someone who they're kind of, it's funny because Mariner and Ahura at this point are, are kind of the same actual levels and they're careers right but mariner has been in starfleet probably technically longer than uhura at this point i mean she's um, a starfleet kid she literally yeah. grew up in starfleet right she grew up in starfleet she's been doing all of this and like has this perspective of like oh i know how to use the rules to still have fun and i'm going to teach them to you Wait, and i love that her- moment so much but doesn't mariner outrank 
Uhura at this point? Because Uhura is an ensign. I thought Mariner. They're both was ensigns. A... They're both ensigns, but um, Mariner has been, I think, uh, demoted several demoted. times. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I think is like almost they they were talking about this on on the ready room trying to do. They haven't established like the actual ages of of Mariner and Boimler, so they can't say for sure. But like um, Celia is playing twenty two year old Uhura, so it's like. And they said they're having a quarter life crisis, so they're right. like they're in their thirties, right? Yeah. I think they're yeah. closer to their 30s, yeah. yeah. What's the future? So they made it in the 50s. <laughs> they could look just that good. <laughs> the face true. creams have gotten really great. That, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. um, but I loved that moment, and I loved go- them going to the bar and showing that, you know, having fun can also still lead to to moments of genius, right? And that's where I really like what the Lower Deckers have done and where I think the 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 depth of the episode comes through is that we're so used to seeing them in their time where they're like kids and (laughs) they're here for the fun. They're here for the ride. Um, But once you take them and you put them 120 years in the past, they are the one with the heart and they are the one with the social progress. And the fact that these two are the only one caring about the colonist mm-hmm. and the grain and all these people that are going to like be relocated or die. And like, it's these two engines where like, we need to do something when literally the bridge crew is not talking about it. They totally forgot about it. And I think that's what I really like in the episode. Like I laughed at all the jokes because, you know, I like the jokes, but it's that vision that future, even if the future, it's our future of Pike, right? Even deeper in the future, society keeps progressing and they keep being more open-minded when he says like about the Orion. It's like Pike was ready to blow up that Orion ship in Mm -hmm. a second. He would have killed everybody on board. And not even blink. And I do think that I criticize Stranger World a lot for these choices before. Like, oh, why don't they care about the Illyrians? Why don't they do this? And then I realized that they are mimicking a lot of, like, the bad choices of the 60s, which I Mm -hmm. still am critic about, let's say. Um, And having the Lower Deckers here is also showing how much Star Trek has grown. Like, they bring that social social questions that we see in DS9, the care for the crew that we see in Voyager. And we see that they grew up in a different era mm-hmm. while, you know, having different priorities compared to the crew of the Enterprise. And they're still like deeply in love with them. They're still like amazed by these guys. But when I see Pike and when I see Boimler, I'm like, Boimler is right. Be like Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> For real, or like Ura yeah. and Mariner. I'm like, Mariner is right. Be like Mariner. Like, she's a good, bad influence, right? But she's right, ultimately, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's also what I really enjoyed about this episode was like, it wasn't just like our lower decks crew learning lessons about like being thankful for where they are and knowing that like, you know, you can admire the past, but you don't have to be stuck in the past in order mm-hmm. to grow and like, yes, they're your heroes, but you get to be your own person, right, is like the lesson for our lower deckers. But they are also uh, instilling, I think, a lot of lessons to our entire Enterprise crew here and and letting them know like, hey, like we exist because you did all of these things, but we're here to teach you a few things that will make all of this a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that it's canon that lower deckers propelled all of these people to these places. <laughs> nice. 
Um, I also enjoyed getting to see more Ortegas this uh, in this episode and getting to see a bit of her fun side. I know there's been a big call for more Ortegas uh, on the internet, um, and we still haven't quite gotten like a full focused birthday uh, focused episode. Um, sorry, my next note is about Pike's birthday, um, but I really enjoyed seeing kind of like more personality. So we get like Chapel and Ortega's, you know, kind of playing with Boimler in the way that it feels like the Lower Decks crew when they're all hanging out at their little bar afterwards, right? Like that felt like a Lower deck scene to me, but with our characters. And then um, we um, also then get Ortega's and um, Uhura hanging out with Mariner. And so we get these nice little groupings at the at the bar that lead to some fun shenanigans. Yeah, no, like I, I, it, it's nice to see that throughout all of Starfleet, it's always okay to bully Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> and we all have that friend, okay? That, that, that's right. Let's be and, honest. And and, it, and apparently it's okay. Like like there's not there's not anyone like do better. Like it's it's a long tradition of 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 Boimler violence. <laughs> Um, what did you think of the scene between Boimler and Chapel when Boimler kind of like bursts her bubble that she is not important enough to be in any of Spock's biographies? <laughs> I mean, I think that's actually like one of the coolest things where like, you know, because it kind of sets a, a ticking clock uh, mm. for the, the for our for a strange new world as far as their relationship. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it's not going to work out. And there's something really beautiful and tragic about being in a relationship that, you know, isn't going to work out. Uh, Is it, and, and, I mean, it, how do you handle that though? Right? Like if, if, if some, if you're in a relationship and you got to understand they're newly in a relationship, mm-hmm. which is what sucks, right? Like that new point where you're like, Oh man, I just like being around you and I'm still discovering who you are. And all of your crazy things aren't really crazy. They're cute right now. That's like, that's the, that's like the, the really cool, fun, easy part. And so in the middle of that, if someone goes, hey, by the way, this is not going to last. <laughs> like, it feels a little heartbreaking. <laughs> like, what do you do at that point? Like, do you do you be like, well, I'm just going to have fun while I, while I can? Or do you be like, well, if I know it's it's doomed, do I get off this ride well, now? Well, 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 like, you know, things aren't beautiful because they last. Oh, oh. Avengers, Avengers 2, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I have a lot of problem with like this Spock Chapel relationship, not because it's Spock Chapel, but because it's been handled in such a boring way, in my opinion. Like it it just why is she crying so much for a guy? Like cry about like your lost crewmates, about the colonies that are dying, I don't know, about not being able to save somebody in the med bay. Like I'm here for emotions, but She's been constantly tearing up for that guy that she's been pursuing, basically. Like, it's like, why did you get together? Oh, because she was super persistent. <laughs> and and I wanted to try. So, and and in the end, when like Boiler says that, you have two options, right? Somebody tells me that. I'm first of all, I'm not gonna start crying in an elevator in front of that guy. That's a, not that's not what I'm gonna do. Uh because he's an ensign that like popped up literally from nowhere. And because we we'll, don't cry in front of people who have lower rank. That's what we do. That's, that's we'll, first of all, Paul, you're right. There's no <laughs> crying and <laughs> there's no crying in Star Trek. Biography of like you can read a biography of a guy that lived like 120 years in the past. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you know him? 
No. Like, right. why is she taking this so seriously? Why is she like, oh my God, that means we're not going to be together. Girl, like, you have a life. You have friends. There's so many things happening around also, you like, right now. Like, chill. Like, breathe. Like, it's going to be fine, you know? Like, it's not, not Boimler who's deciding whatever the hell is going also, on with like, the relationship. Spock is Vulcan and lives far longer than you. So it's like, even if your relationship is like a few, a few years, which is significant in a human life, it could be, that's like literally like going out on a date. In the yeah, timeline do, of you think, do you think I'm going to write all my exes in my autobiography? Like, come on. Like, no, there are like some people I'm like, it was fun. It was great. I have no beef with you, but I don't think the world needs to know. And the fact that she she would be mad at this, that I'm not important enough. Like, come on, come on. I mean, also, if, if you've ever seen... Went, like, 10 days, please. Well, if you've seen any of the timey-wimey <laughs> stuff, what do we know, right? The future is not set, right? So that little information is like, oh, okay, I need to step up my game a little bit if I want this to... To, to really last, you still have the power to do that. Now, yeah. you might unravel the fabric of time in so doing so, but it's your choice. And Boimler's <laughs> the one who told you what was going to happen, so that's all I have. Imagine okay. taking relationship advice from freaking Boimler of like, all yeah, people. Right? Uh, like, like, I'm going to do a little justice for Chapel here, because, like, you know, she's she's you see her life, and she's not had a lot of luck in, mm-hmm. like, relationships, right? Like, she, she, she chooses the wrong person Partly because of her, partly because of them, blah, blah, blah. And Spock is the person that she finds stable. She's not, not just stable, but like some someone she's attracted to and someone that she really sees the things that she wants. And I can see how, like, you know, someone being given the fact like, oh, you mean nothing to him in the cosmic scope of time. Like, you know, I, that's going to suck. That's going to yeah, suck to hear. It's going to suck. I, I, gonna, I, I 21. But, 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 but it doesn't you're suck if you're 40. You, 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 <laughs> you're, you're speaking from, as a person who's like really healthy, but Chapel isn't healthy. Here's here's my here's my she thing. She got war though. trauma. She, she got... Yeah. <laughs> my other she thing is she got war trauma. <laughs> I also wouldn't be mad if they broke up because here's my thing. I think Chapel and Mbenga have way better chemistry on screen. Agreed. Like, and uh, that uh, with their so much. They, to to me that would be a much more fulfilling like if we have to have the like woman relationship arc as her primary storyline like them being in the war together and having all of this past and fighting like to me that is like prime so like and you can't know, tell me after that like y'all talked about the chemistry after that first episode where they're staring at each other and at first I didn't see it but now I see it <laughs> I, see it. I, I am now shipping in Benga and chapel I, I, and chapel you whatever see, you want to call it wait wait let's let's hold on do you see the chemistry between chapel and mbenga or are you thinking about episode eight when he was in that sonic shower and are you just thinking like, about that kind he, of chemistry I there mean, was a lot of mbenga oh, skin in episode eight there's a lot of skin okay i picked up a couple dumbbells and was like i need to get my workout on. <laughs> uh, that's right that's right so We'll we'll get to we'll get to all of our Mbenga talk uh, for that episode later. I gotta I gotta get like a fan before we're ready for that right. episode. Um, I did want to jump into the Pike birthday situation. So, uh, Boimlo, it's a spill that it's like a holiday into the future. I thought it was funny watching two people like or two groups. You know, you have. Um, Paul, you've lost video. I don't know what happened to you, but uh, we can still hear you. Um, 
so Boimler lets it slip. And so you kind of have Pike trying not to reveal his future that he knows is his future to Mariner and Boimler. But obviously Mariner and Boimler also know that future, but they both are just playing this like really funny standoff game of like, we can't tell you and I can't tell you. So we're going to talk about this in a big roundabout way. Um, but I will say the Pike dad speech, I, I, I felt like it was a really lovely moment to get to know more about Pike, but didn't, wasn't that also the same speech that Kirk gave in, um, uh, Kelvin verse about like him now being older than his dad. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the same one in beyond mm-hmm. beyond. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And beyond. So, um, I, I mean, I guess we love a captain with, with some daddy issues, but how, how did you, <laughs> how did you feel about Pike's sort of like arc to eventually coming around to his party? I mean, it, look, it's something, and maybe I have daddy issues, but it's something that I think about a lot, right? Like, you get to that point where you think, you you start to compare yourself to the the generation before you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's common to go, hey, here's where I at when this happened. Uh, I think likewise, I love this the idea of Boimler going, hey, man, I see where you're going. You and I both know you're not gonna like. You don't have your the the time is ticking on on when you're done. Allow people to be with you when you're here instead of you holding up in some corner meditating and wallowing in self pity. I thought it was brilliant, and I was like, yeah, man, like don't just sit up there and huddle by yourself. Allow people to be around you. So mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Like I thought that was one of the best really moments of the season for me. I, you know, I'm going to do the Clyde and go like, I slightly disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I guess for one, like, you know, I kind of feel that, you know, Pike, for all of it, like, he knows when he's going to, and, and, you know, I I suppose he's been a really good captain as far as, like, connecting with his uh his crew he's always having people over for uh for dinner like you know Picard never invited people over dinner <laughs> not you even know? for wine not, not even, even for what not once i don't, I don't remember <laughs> like i don't remember, uh you know cisco cisco did better you know mm-hmm. uh but like uh and so like on a day where he's gonna like commemorate his dad for a little bit just to process stuff like i think that's that's a totally fine thing you know, I, I understand why he let go of it, but like, I, I don't know if I really like. I feel like the also the like I'm, uh, uh, I had bad relationships with my dad. I, I feel like that's an easy trope to, uh, to 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 draw upon, and there's no evidence of that in any of the things we've seen. Uh, so I feel like that's a little easy or convenient. Uh, so. Yeah, I wish it was more of like, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get more about his dad at some point. But it was like, to me, they were trying to draw that parallel between like, these were he looked up to his dad. And now that he's older than his dad, and he's having to also face like the past and the future, right? Well, I feel like it's they already served us that thing with the Kirk's brother, like, Mm -hmm. what, like an episode ago, two episodes Mm -hmm. ago, when was it? Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, and that came like a little bit out of the left field. Like I was like, we never talked about this before. Why is it coming out now? Like it was like, let's add some cream of trauma on top of the cake of trauma and maybe a little bit more trauma. Like it it just at this point, I'm just like, he cannot like his birthday for many reasons. But I really liked what Boimler's 
what Bummer said to him, even if I deeply disagree, because at the end of the day, dude, it's your birthday. Enjoy your birthday as you want. <laughs> like, you imagine having to enjoy your birthday in a way that make other people happy? No, no. Like, dude. See, so- once, again, once again, Giraffe, you're just speaking from a super healthy perspective. And it's... <laughs> I can't. I can't really relate to that. No. Okay. But like, if, if I can go a little bit, like, uh, like trauma. Sure, sure, sure. Like, yeah. I witnessed my dad dying when I was nineteen. He just collapsed huh? and died. You know, and I was nineteen, which means like a very young adult. I was like freshman in college. I mean, yeah, something like this. And you know, it shaped the way I see my life. I'm like, oh, people can just drop and be dead, and it's the end. You know, so I'm gonna make the most out of it i'm gonna enjoy my life and i'm gonna live it in everywhere i want and if i need to die like right now i'm satisfied with my choices like no regrets you know (laughs) uh sorry (laughs) your phone was like absolutely no regret (laughs) um so it's true and i'm almost at the age uh my dad uh, when my dad passed so it is something i'm thinking about because for me it's crazy when i was 19 i was like that dude is old and now i'm like i'm super young this is messed up <laughs> you know um and that makes me want to enjoy my time in a way that makes sense to me and i do spend time with a lot of people maria can attest <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm always left and right but in the end, the way you're going to process the passing of time is very personal and is very is very intimate also. It's like mm-hmm. something you have a deep relationship with. Like how you see your time and how you see your life is unique to yourself. So having an ensign telling me, uh, yeah, but people like really care for you and so on and so on. I'd be like, yeah, sure. But the difference is that I don't know that I'm going to end up in the beep beep chair, you know? So <laughs> I don't have a time frame. I don't have a time frame telling me that date you're going to end up. Well, how does she does it? Like... Yeah. You know, like... yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I think that's the difference with Pike. He knows he has a, a an expiration date that is very precise for him when mm-hmm. I hope mine is very far away <laughs> and um, very, um, I hope uh, it's going to be in the newspaper. That's all I want. Like something kind of like crazy. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> make sure, we can make sure that happens. <laughs> cool. But in, cool. A, in a cool way. You in know, a cool in way. A, yeah. yeah. In a positive way. <laughs> um, the beep beep chair, by the way, was an improvised line. Um, oh, my yes, goodness. I saw that. <laughs> Um, so was apparently all of the gushing over how hot young Spock was, but, uh, she said she got full permission from Ethan Peck before she went down that rabbit hole, <laughs> which I appreciate asking, Hey, I'm going to talk about how hot you are. Are you okay with that? <laughs> I, I'm going to literally harass you on, on, on screen, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you feel about that? <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. And I have to say that I've been in the same room than Ethan Peck and it's very hard to not ask him like, do you know how hot you are? Like, do you realize like. <laughs> How do you live your life? Like, I need to know because, like, this is mind-boggling to me. Like, right now, I'm like, this, how, why, why? <laughs> so, I feel, uh, I feel Tony Newsom. <laughs> um, our lower decks crew does eventually get back through the portal, but not before we get the most amazing scientific um, uh, exploration in the lab between Spock and Boimler, where we get the classic Boimler scream. Um, I also really enjoyed 
Um, I thought it was like such a smart move to have Boimler again, be that kind of audience surrogate. You get so many people who are just like, I don't know if this is my Spock, you know, y'all kind of touched upon this earlier. It was like, he's different than I remember, blah, blah, blah. And Boimler, whenever that like horror cut and like music started, whenever Spock smiled, I thought was absolutely hysterical. Um, and then Spock even acknowledging, he's like, these are my experiments into like my human emotions. And he's like, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about all of these things. I really appreciated all of the, the Boimler Spockness going on. And let's just say the fan fiction already very intense. Um, y'all are fast. <laughs> y'all are very fast. <laughs> we always can count on like the fandom. That's what I'm always, I, I, I really appreciate. I, I appreciate how fast Tarina and Sarah fanfic just popped into reality i'm just like wow you people have like too much time i really like that (laughs) (laughs) um but what did y'all think i i I wanted to talk more about just the embodiment that um tawny newsom and jack quaid did of their animated characters like that has to be such a it's like they voice them right so there are all the things and the quirks that they kind of know from that but then it like Jack Quaid talked a lot about having to watch like a lot of the episodes and really study the Boimlerisms mm-hmm. to get them. And you can really tell, I mean, there's like the walk and some of the big things, you know, that we all saw like the scream and stuff, but even the way like Mariner sat on the cushion. And then when she stands with her arms behind her back, it was like, you could fully see them being these characters. Yeah. And there was a, some very little subtle things like Mariner or not Mariner, but Boimler does this thing where he like adjusts his his shirt, like his <laughs> his jacket, in a very kind of Picard way. Um, and I noticed when Jack Quaid did it, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely very Boimler. Um, they're these very subtle things that I thought lended to the credibility. And I think it's it's interesting because both Jack Quaid and Tony Newsom, Jack Quaid more than anyone else, doesn't look that different from Boimler in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it made sense that you kind of put him through. Tawny's a little bit different, but I thought like it was I don't know if it was super believable or I just wanted to believe it. <laughs> so but I thought they did a really great job of embodying embod- embodying these characters like it. There wasn't something that felt like, no, that doesn't look like it. Like often if you've ever read a book before you've watched the movie or the TV adaptation mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, that's not how I pictured it. It, it. it didn't throw me like that. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I think the voice is helping a lot because I know their voice and yeah. it's their voice. So I'm just like, sure. Like I will, I will buy everything they sell to be honest, every single thing. And, and I thought that the direction also of, Jonathan Frakes was just mm. incredible. Like the, the creepy smile of Spock to come back to that question. Um, I, I, I'm i really happy we got another perspective on this because, you know, everybody just knows him and everybody's like going with it. And I found that creepy for, I've, I've been finding that creepy for several episodes. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you, Bioner. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think that, I like the way they did it. And we're, uh, for me, it's seeing yet again another generation move. You know, when you see, when you see like older people, how they, they will like talk and move and younger generation, you see a different way of just occupying the space and moving your body. Mm-hmm. And I just, 
identify their weird way of moving in the way that they come from the future. They just don't move the same way that well, what's funny uh to go on that it's like they make a call out to that where they, yeah not, not, not the movement but like they're like it's weird like you know everyone everything's so like quiet and like you know everyone talks so slow here yeah <laughs> if, you, if you're sent back if you're sent back in the 1900s like yeah. early 1900s the way you sit the way you talk the way you move your body is gonna like look weird for real. <laughs> so I, I just like that. For me, it was just, oh, they're kids from like another era. And I liked recognizing that it's still movement that a body can make, even if it's animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I wanted to go to Una's sort of uh, little journey here with this uh, with this crew. The pinup, it's a poster you pin up uh, moment was very funny. Um, also I can like, I can feel the like terror and respect in, in the performances of Boimler and Mariner over, uh, Rebecca remains Una. Cause that has to be like, I mean, she's like, a she's a legend, right? It's like, not only is this character a legend, but you're now like acting with someone who's been in this industry for so long. And it's been like tons of characters that you've grown up with. Um, so I felt like that was very palpable, but I loved getting to finally get to that end. And I really felt that like full emotional arc for Una. Mm, sure, and I thought sure, it yeah. was a really great way to tie it back to that episode. Totes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I like all these different. Yes. I, I, I have, I, I can expand on it, but I'm going to let Clyde go so I can respectfully little bit disagree. No, no, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't disagree at all. I thought, you know, when you, you know, we, we talk about like what it's like to go back in time and, and, and meet your heroes. Like when I was thinking about it, like this is actually a bit of a different take. Usually when we see people go back in time, they're not meeting either. They're, it's a, like, it's, you know, we get the whole, you go through a portal to Mirrorverse or mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to write some wrong or something like that. But this is like, no, your timeline, they know that you're from the future, so you don't have to hide it. And you're looking at them and it's like, it's like you're in awe of them. These are the stories that you've heard. And so to be able to capture this, like, oh my goodness, it, it would be, especially because you've got these younger these these younger lower deckers right we're not talking about kirk and spock going back and meeting someone or if we were talking about you know uh you know jordy and data going back in time and meeting you know spock and scotty like it's not like that because that's kind of like we're on the same level these are like junior like crew members meeting the goats right Mm -hmm. (laughs) the greatest of all time so the way you look up at a character like Una, who's like literally the original number one, right? And going, oh my goodness, like you're the, you know, and then you think about like, this is the poster. Like this is the, this is the legend. Mm-hmm. Like that would be intimidating. And I think they carried that well. I also like the subtleness of that pinup comment because that was very subtle of how times have changed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. what pinup meant, you know, in in kind of the Pike era time versus what pinup means in this future, right? Where we've gotten rid of a lot of racism and sexism and things like that and 
post-war and like we're just supposed to be better now like i thought that was like that was a great little head nod and so i was all for all of that i thought it was really done well listen i met um michelle nichols and i was absolutely stupid for 15 full minutes uh because what do you say to somebody that you have on a poster everywhere in your room all the time for like decades you can't say anything well, you like, I was like, like you just sorry? Like, do you know where the bathroom is oh i have another story about bathroom Give me a <laughs> <laughs> so, i was like i don't even know how to convey you know what it means to me and how fundamental it was to me becoming the black woman i am how much she's important in my life you can't convey that like i was 1000 person boy like, <laughs> and and i went <laughs> because i that's the other thing is i like for boimler like she has heard everything she's a legend she, he doesn't imagine that she is in this self-doubt where she doesn't know her place and she feels that she shouldn't be here or that nobody wants her here for him she is everything and bathroom i was in the bathroom in la and I washed my hand next to Dr. Mae Jemison and I almost passed out because I was like, oh my God, this is Dr. Mae Jemison. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then I stop and I'm like looking at her and I'm like, I'm very sorry to like disturb you right now, but you're, you're, you're Mae Jemison. She's like, yes. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, no, I, I mean, my head was going like, you know, crazy. And I just say, hi. And she was like, hi. And she left and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh that happened but yeah it just um yeah it, it just boimler is so true here and again very good i don't <laughs> even have a dog i don't know if you hear that but that's not my dog um this gobsmack attitude is just on point and i had i i leave the same exact same thing so mm-hmm. kudos to jonathan franks again <laughs> So, so, so Boimler is your uh, Star Trek character. That, that, that's your inner Star Trek No, I'm character. a 1,000 person Mariner. I have to say that after the episode, everybody was texting me and telling me when I saw the scene with uh, Mariner and Uhura, just her sitting and looking at her, I was like, that's you. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> I was going to say, it. as soon as uh, Mariner comes through and is like, uh, is, but is Uhura here? I was like, oh, did Giraffe write these lines? Like, <laughs> You guys are great. I love you all, but is Uhura here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I loved the little, at the end when Ransom's like, oh, the second or, you know, the hottest number one in the, in the fleet ever. Because that's like, a, if you don't know, Jerry O'Connell plays Ransom. Um, who is married to Rebecca Romain. <laughs> um, so fun, fun little, fun little BTS. Um, and then I wanted to talk about, I saw a lot of people reacting to all the love for Enterprise in this episode. And I thought it was such a smart way for them to show that even though these are the characters for so many of us that are those like icons and heroes, like these characters also have other icons and heroes and like how important to that sort of like chain of legacy continues which i thought was a smart way to even integrate into the ship and like the legacy and the star power of the ship i was like oh you guys are really doing it i i see these this is this is great for mayweather 
Justice for Mayweather. Captain <laughs> of the NX01. I will die on that hill. <laughs> so this is a moment where our Patreons are waiting for me to say something about mm -hmm. Enterprise and they're just going to go nuts. Um, so here's what I'll say. I loved it. And I'm actually a big Mayweather fan. Um, and I thought that that was one of the best inclusions of Enterprise in another Star Trek series that I've ever seen. I thought it was authentic. I thought it was it was true. Um, and I loved it. Like, I'm all the way here for it. So, yeah. No, I, 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 no Enterprise bashing from me this week. <laughs> he qualified it this week. It's, it's, been a, it's been a long road for us to get here. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I had to. It was there. No, I, um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, I really love this episode. I think, like I, I said at the top, it did so much that I love about Trek, which is it's teaching you a lesson, but you don't know you're getting taught a lesson. And it's entertaining. And it was fun. Um yeah, and just like having Frakes there who when they were talking about it on um the ready room, they're like, Oh yeah, Frakes who's been in every single thing of Star Trek since <laughs> since TNG True. aired, including lower decks. Um, it's someone who has that like deep knowledge and it felt like fans making stuff for Trek for fans as well, but it wasn't fan service. Does that make sense <laughs> like, mm -hmm. in Oops. that way? Oops. Um, I thought it was smart and, um, and shouts to Mike McMahon, who I think is doing some of the best Trek we currently have with lower decks. And I feel like you could feel it here as well. I definitely have like the most love of Star Trek. You know, you could tell mm -hmm. that he, he loves Star Trek, like the, the universe, like, you know, as opposed to like, Oh, I, I love my show. I love, but he exactly loves it all. Yeah. You and, know what I'd like to see in the second season of prodigy <laughs> that as well. <laughs> Apparently there's things happening. You can go to um, the link down below uh, in the show notes if you would like to sign the um, uh, the, Just the, the, the Justice for Prodigy. Uh, wh why have I totally blanked on the word for this thing that you put Petition. signatures on? Petition. Petition. Oh my God. My brain just fully shut down, y'all. I mean, <laughs> when the foreigner is helping you with vocabulary, <laughs> it's time to get to sleep. <laughs> Uh, it's been a long week, y'all, and I am working all weekend, so it's going to be a good time. Okay. Um, anything else you all want to say about 207, these old scientists? Like, I was surprised that they decided to go with the, uh, as far as, like, time travel uh, species, like the Nausicans. Mm. You know, it, 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 was just, it was just weird. Like, you'd be like, oh. Uh, but then they go, like, oh, uh, we translated. It said, this is a time portal. That's that, 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 that totally the Nausicaan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Nausicaan reference to me was hilarious yeah. because there there is a moment it's like Nausicaans, like they really are bad at pool, but they seem compelled to gamble on it or something yeah, yeah. like that. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> that's hilarious. Dumb jot. That is. Yeah. Dumb, yeah. Dumb, yeah. That's right. Dumb jot. <laughs> I, for me, it's this episode was really incredible and it makes the second season very questionable for me because there's been so many ups and downs mm -hmm. and i'm very worried for the how many episodes are left two 
right? Yep. Uh, yeah, we're talking 208. 209 is next week where we have a musical and then we have a finale. Yeah, I look forward to just re-watching this, uh, series, this season from like 1 to 10 because there's, there's, there's been a, a lot of... In French, we say there's been things to drink and there are things to, to eat. It's just <laughs> very I, different mm-hmm. from episode to episode. So yeah, I'm so glad they did it well. Yeah, as as we transition, I had this thought earlier where I was confused. And I was thinking like, oh man, they gave us two episodes inside a week. So we've got seven and eight and we've only got a couple episodes remaining. I feel like there's a lot left on the table in terms of like, we've got we've got the Klingons as an enemy, as a kind of whatever. And they keep teasing us about the Gorn, and yet there's not enough time to really unpack that, right? Like, you know, we're, I guess, dealing with Discovery and even Prodigy, or not Prodigy, but Picard, we're used to having a big bad throughout the season, and we haven't really gotten one. Um, Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, it's almost like I'm watching my time and going, hmm, uh, you got some extra episodes you haven't told us about? Like, there's a lot. There's feel like there's still a lot left in this yeah. season. I um, I agree. I wish I had a full week to digest before we jumped into this next week's episode because it was a lot. But um, the other thing I thought was interesting that Jonathan Frakes talked about was apparently when the directors are given an episode, they are told it is theirs to use like it's a movie. And so I think that has been really interesting. And I wonder if that was the same brief given in, in season one, because while there were definitely genre shifts in season one, I felt like this season has been some of the harder, you know, it's like when you, when you're driving like an old manual car some of the <laughs> yes. between, between episodes. Um, and, and I'm someone who loves genre episodes. I love when we get to either get really campy or we dive into horror, um, you know, thrillers and all of those things. I, I just you wonder ready for a musical. I mean, I love musicals, TBD, what I'll feel about this, but they've got an incredible cast for this. So I was like, I, I think it, I like musicals, but you, you want, you want to live in hope. I will live in hope for the musical episode, but, um, but yeah, but the fact that this week, and we'll dive into our hot breaks here in a second of 208, that this episode is between our crossover comedy and a musical is wild to me and so i wonder if there would have been a way to structure some of these so that it doesn't feel like such a like now i'm like oh now we're really shifting back you know like i i mean i don't know tonally what the music i mean i've seen some really dark and horrific musicals so maybe we're going that way that would be quite a twist but sweeney todd action (laughs) yeah i love sweeney todd i'm a big into into the woods you know you can get dark with some of these themes um so we'll see okay any other thoughts before we switch gears here I'll just say I too love a musical, but I'm a little lost at at the the tonal shifts overall. Um, one thing I'm like, okay, well, I'm 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 here for it, but I have no idea what to expect next. Um, and I think I've just begun saying, hey, okay, I'm going to look at each one of these episodes mm-hmm. individually and not try and leave it out again. <laughs> yeah. What? No, I don't know what happened. I've been kicked out. No, you're here. Oh. We can hear you. You're and here. See you. We see. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you're still well, here. Are we, we seeing? Okay. Um. 
Okay, so the Under the Cloak of War is uh, directed by Jeffrey Bird. Um, it was written by Davy Perez. And I think it is time for us to dive into the next segment of... It's time for some more hot freaks. Um, Clyde, what did you think about this episode? Um, you know, this one was tricky for me because um, this one was about war, PTSD. And so the tonal shift, at least for me, from campy comedy crossover to something like this was like, it, it was... It, it was it felt like I almost got whiplash. Like, whoa, okay. Now I'm dealing with this and I'm going, look, I've I, I've never served in the military. I don't I don't know what it's like to serve and and come back and and be changed. So I want to be very careful about how I approach this. Um, I want to approach it respectfully. Um, I thought overall it was a really insightful episode. I'm not quite sure. I'm still processing the end a little bit and the choices that they made from a story standpoint. Like I was, I was all for it up until about the last maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, so all in all, I thought it was, uh, look, I, I really wanted some backstory on Chapel and Mbenga in the war. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly happened at the end and where we're going with that. Yeah. Uh, Paul thoughts. Uh, it was not my favorite episode, but I think it might be artistically the best episode of the season. Wow! Like I, I think from a writing standpoint and from a uh, from a character standpoint, I think it did a lot of things that was really I wouldn't say new for Trek, but like it, they did it in a, in a way that was different. Uh, uh, like I said, like you know, it's like I, I really respect it. You know, it, oh, especially. It is the episode I respect the most. Hmm. Uh, okay. So that's that, and we'll, we'll that's my hot freak. That's thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, we'll we'll dig in. We'll dig in. Mm-hmm. Giraffe. Um, so I feel that episode had everything for me to love it, and I deeply dislike it, and I do not respect it. I am the daughter of two field doctors, and. I have two uh, war nurse in uh, my family who have seen combat and were on the field, including my mother. <laughs> uh, my dad is a black man and a doctor who same has been on the field and was a doctor without borders for many, many years. Um, I, what that episode did is... Uh, I don't want to say criminal, but almost. Well, we're going to have a lively conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I lived with these people for uh-huh. like all my life. They, they made me the human I am here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went to missions way into like my dad. I think his last mission, I was like 13 or 14 or something like this. Um, so yeah, I have it's I know it's Hollywood, so I don't expect it to be a documentary, right? But the fact that everybody thinks that this is what it is is deeply troubling for me and for all the people that do this job because that is not what it is. And 
yeah. I, I, I know it's entertainment mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be also horrific. But yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll yeah. talk about it. We're going to get into it. I, um, yeah, I mean, my my I think I'm I'm like with Clyde. Like I there was a lot about this episode that I was really like enjoying the way they are approaching the themes and how it was going to spark interesting conversations around like xenophobia post-war and like being someone who has like family in the military and seeing what happened to like friends and family post, like especially, you know, the war in Iraq and like the way the American propaganda system works against other people. And I was like, oh, we're gonna kind of dig into how the Federation sort of treated all of this information being fed to people, right? And then like the people who are on the ground versus the people who weren't. Um, I also grew up watching MASH and it was one of my all-time favorites. And so to me, this felt like the MASH episode of Trek Mm. until the end because MASH was deeply anti-war. And the big thing about MASH was it was good people dealing with horrific things, um, but never doing the horrific things. Does that make sense? And so I felt like we were on that edge and then we 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 crossed a weird line at the very end (laughs) have you seen the finale of mesh yes well i mean like there's the problem right because like you know like that's that's the it this episode ends like the finale of mesh i know it was i hated it (laughs) yeah because it felt like the show lost what the show was um at the Mm -hmm. end i think after anyway i could dive into mash i think after seasons four or five it really Mm -hmm kind of lost some of its Ooh. what i Pretty soon we're gonna have the mash podcast with mariah paul and clyde <laughs> it, it, it's a sub stack of like you know a, a our bread dog. podcast of uh, hot dog pod yeah um man i can already see our summer's patreon slate or our winter yeah. patreon slate just stacking up stacking up but um i did want to note though i did think like Babs and Melissa and I thought the acting was really great and I thought they took um I could feel like especially uh, Babs with Mbenga's character I could feel all of that panic and anger and the surgingness of it and so I just thought he did um a really incredible job so that's that's my hot freak that was long but I'll I'll tag on to that and say, like, look, I'm a big Babs fan. Um, like I, I feel like I need an audiobook that he narrates because oh I can gosh, just listen yeah. to Oh my god, yes. <laughs> um, but the person who really surprised me, and I, I I'll say it, I think I, I love their performance the most was Melissa. Mm-hmm. I think Ortega's was, it was clean in the fact that like, I could really understand from beginning to end mm-hmm. as a person who fought in this war, right? Not that long ago mm-hmm. in this battle where you lost a lot of people, where you're, you know, you're still dealing with all of that. And now the central figure in that, not like it's, it's different when it's like, it, it was somebody who was just there, another right. soldier, but you're talking about the, the key central figure mm-hmm. to perpetrate these atrocities is there and you're supposed to break bread and just be like, what's up? Mm-hmm. The fact that she tried and then couldn't and was like, no, like that felt real. And I was like, I have maybe I haven't been there, but I felt like I could be there through her. Like that felt clean to me. And I was really impressed. Like, again, the Ortega's character every week shows up and just kills it. 
My problem with Ortegas is that so far, what we've learned about Ortegas is that she has she's funny and she's bigoted. And I'm like, okay, let's like maybe like see her in another like situation that she's not hating on some uh, aliens for. Mm-hmm. Good reason, bad reasons. I don't know what happened to her, but like basically there's nothing else so far. Like every single interaction we've seen her have was that. I think we've seen her more into those old scientists where she's at the bar and mm-hmm. you know she talks about that. But yeah, I'm like, give me something else. Yeah, I, I'm definitely ready for more of her backstory, but I will say watching her performance reminded me a lot of seeing a lot of my friends who came back from from the Iraq war and were just like, you, it takes so long for that, like everyone who looks like this is the enemy is no longer the enemy to like shift. And I mean, that's part of the war machine of it all. And I think it's an interesting place for them to say that like, is Starfleet doing the same thing? Like what was their like aftercare like when they came back from, from the Klingon war? And I think it's also to me, what I found interesting. And I, I think what I was looking for, what would have especially helped at the end was if there was someone who came in that was of Pike's stature, who had also experienced the war. Cause I think Pike not having experienced that couldn't be a proper captain to a lot of his crew in this particular episode, which is is also interesting to watch. It's like, oh, if you weren't there, you didn't experience this. Like, you don't have a real way to connect. Which I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing to put up as for conversation. Yeah, which is why Una is a badass first officer because she comes yeah. in yeah. and goes like, "This isn't working." Yeah, get get this guy off. Like, she, yeah, she, she, mm-hmm. she's she's like that. That's why she's number one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. and that's where we see again You're that right. uh, Starfleet healthcare, mental healthcare, is non-existent. We're coming <laughs> back to my origin story on Star Trek Pod, guys. Where is the therapist? <laughs> like, for real? See, this is why we have counselors in TNG because they realize, man, we are making mistakes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we <laughs> need some counselors. It, it, it takes 120 years, but they, they'll get there. They, fi- they'll get they there. figure just, it out of it. Just calm down. Like every, every, everyone has to move at their pace. I, I also like the fact that like. Pike was like, "Hey, Mbinga, you want to go check on Erica too?" Like he, he's like, like, "You also should leave this room right now." Yeah, but that's crazy that he invited them. Like, yeah, it's like weird too. Maybe there should have been more pressure put on. Like, maybe if I saw the admiral, who's like, "Pike, you cannot mess this up." Like, this is like a bit. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like the stakes for Pike were really at the place where he needs to sacrifice the mental health of his crew. Well, well, to, to be fair, like you know, Pike doesn't know, right? He might right. know with Erica. Erica is, is pretty like, like open about or, her bigotry against Cleons. Yeah. Exactly, but like you know, Ambega and like you know, Chapel, they, they, they for all of it play good, right? They, right. they play okay, and like you know, and they're friends for a long time. Are, is this going to be okay? And Ambega says, "Yes, I have it handled." You know, Chapel says, "Yes, I have it handled." Mm-hmm. Like, and so he does all the steps. Like you know, he can't he can't future cast so well that he goes, "Oh." No, you're not going to be able to handle this. I'm not going to invite yeah. you. So, like, though, and, and the moment that he he sees it as going south, he, he does what he needs to do. But, like, you know, but I, I I don't think you can put it on Pike that, like, he should have stopped it before it, it, it began. You know? I'm 1,000% putting it on Spike. <laughs> well, he's the captain, okay? He knows his crew. Yeah. They have files. He should have read all of them, especially he, the CMO, okay? And the thing is, even if somebody tells you, I can handle this, you're like, Okay, maybe you can, but 
are we going to risk your mental health, giving you anxiety, having you in the same room than like somebody who like murdered a bunch of your friend? Even if you tell me you're handling it, this is my duty to not put you here. We'll, we'll do another we'll, setting. We'll do another setting. Well, to push back though, like, would you be okay with someone making a decision for you because of their interpretation of what? Yeah, if he's my boss, yeah, absolutely, because that's not my place. And like, that's 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 uh, that's an ambassador, and they're dealing with this, uh, and they're telling me you're not coming to the dinner. I'm not going to be. I want to go to the dinner. Like, but, but no, you, okay, you I'm not coming to the dinner. You can see how that could be tricky, right? Like, you know, you can see how someone making a choice for you that is within what you're supposed to do or get. Like it, it, it's a gray area. Like I, I, I can't, yeah. I can't say that it's a hundred percent. It could have also been though. him giving him giving. I don't know if he really gave them much of an option. I will say it was like we. It, he says at the top, like Starfleet has said, as they want him to especially interact with people mm -hmm. who are yep, vets yep. of this war, right? Yep. And so he's essentially said, "Hey, like you should come to this dinner." And I'm sure if they said, "I don't want to," he would have respected that. But in, mm -hmm. it was. Um, it was kind of given as like, we have these orders. We want you all to interact. I think it would be good for you to interact. But um, but yeah, it's like, this is the person who was the general on the planet where like all of this damage was done to you and your your crew and you saw all of his damage. To to Mariah's point, I have to say, one of the things that I've I've had to really be careful with is, you know, as a as a as a leader, is my voice, right? And and the subtleties, because you can say as a as a boss, as a as an executive, you can go, hey, this is really important. It's 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 almost like going. It's really important that we get this project done. Like we've like this is a really important project. We've got to do everything that we can. So you know, probably going to mean working some late hours. We might work some some weekends, and then going. Hey, I know you got a bunch of stuff going on. So if you don't want to work. The, the weekend with the rest of us, just, just let me know. And it's cool. That contradictory message, most people are going, no, 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 it's okay. I can show up. I can show up. I'll be there even when they can't. And so I think that's the thing. The first message that Pike said was, this is super important. I need everybody to pay attention. Like everybody's got to focus, like, come on, we got to make this work. And I can wonder if he had some concern because, you know, they did just blow up a deuterium space station refinery solid solid Clyde that is solid, that is solid. solid I'm, I'm solid. in big trouble I need you all to do me some big favors um, right so then to come back and be like hey Mbenga you sure you want to go like he's already heard the message of how important uh, uh, this is but, but, and he but, wants to be a team player once again like I'm, yeah. I'm, this is not me 100% pushing back this is just me saying like Pike's the boss he's supposed right. to and like there's a difference between saying hey you know I need you to do this job. You need to tell me if you can do it or not. It's like that episode where Troy was trying to be uh, an executive, uh, like a bridge crew person. And her test was basically, Jody, can you go in and die to save the, you know, to save the enterprise? And she mm, couldn't do it. Kill off the black man. I don't I, it's not my fault. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. It's not me. It's not me. But like, <laughs> but like, but it took, it, but it took her, it took her, it took Riker to like give her the hint accidentally that that's what the problem was. She, she went through and kept on doing the engineering thing. And he goes, I, and he goes, it's not in the, it's not in the manual. So like in, in this place, like, you know, for all of it, and we talk about this, like it's a space Navy, you mm -hmm. know, like, like I think Pike is like a really, really 
good captain for like the things that he needs to get done versus trying to be, meet the needs of his crew. Like, you know, and here, like here, I, I just think that like, it's a real gray spot. Like, yeah. uh, like, and, and to me, I put it on no one, no one, no one messed up. The only person who really, the, I, I can give it to Erica, you inviting Erica, you Probably. know, what you, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you, you, that was, you, you messed up there, but in Benga and Chapel, I, I don't they know. Need- I, the story needs them to be at that dinner. So yeah, what I'm doing is like they're like jumping through hoops to make us agree that they should be at that dinner. But like I'm I'm a team leader. Like I, I supervise a lot of people. And some people have, you know, PTSD from assault, from mm-hmm. war, from sure. many different things. And I'm like, I will not put any of these people in any close of a trigger when I need something very important being that oh man like in general because i don't want people to be triggered right so like the story is just like really want them to be at that dinner so the tension can go up right we have to just like okay sure Um, (laughs) you're you're, you're speaking like as i said before as a really healthy person (laughs) yeah Um, which we would we would like softly to to be sometime you know something mental health (laughs) like they don't get counselors till like a hundred years from now I um I do th- want to bring up um Lynn's kind of comment here. So this what will, is this what will force Mbenga out of Starfleet before TOS? It's potential because right we don't know a ton about this character, um and they've kind of given us even more breadcrumbs and questions that I have because when he is talking about developing um I think it was like Protocol Twelve right Protocol they- Twelve mm-hmm. yeah that's right. Super, super, uh, super soldier serum. Um, but they, that Endorian comes up to him and is like, you were the ghost prior to yeah, becoming a doctor. Right. And so I'm just like, okay, are you going to give me like a sweet Mbenga? I was like an assassin and then I tried to change my ways and become a doctor, but then like, you can't get rid of my assassinness. And to me, that would make the ending of this a little bit more palatable because. But I think the they're idea, slow playing it, right? That's what I'm hopeful for yeah. and like what I hope to see because to me that was such a big character sidestep from the person I've come to know as Mbenga to to see him one be the person who slaughtered all those Klingons and then two to essentially kill yet again. Well, see, uh, I I could I could believe in the in the midst of war, if he was a former or the, assassin. the cloak of war, the cloak, the cloak of, war. of war, yes, <laughs> well, war. if you will. Yeah. So, if you're talking about someone who became a doctor after they were a, you know, a special forces ghost recon Navy SEAL type guy, ghost protocol. Then, yeah, yes. I was like I'm ready. I'm ready for Babs to be our next um, um, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible Bond. Yes. Give him the Bond Ooh, series. Yes. So, but if you're telling me that that's where he was and then he was like, look, I want to change my life. And I became a doctor. And then it was like, hey, we need you. We need you. We need you. And then he's triggered by seeing the guy. Those people die. And he mm-hmm. goes and does that. I could believe that. Fast forward a few, you know, a few years. The thing that I didn't understand was you want to say it was an accident. You want to say he didn't start it. All of that stuff. He brought the knife into mm-hmm. the room. Yeah. He knew what he was right. doing. He kept the knife. Mm-hmm. He, he, kept he kept it. He had it with him. So yeah. to me, it's kind of like if you shoot someone and you go, well, it was an accident. Why did you have the gun, the loaded gun in, in the room? Well, in like, the med bay. 
in the medbay, in a place where it did not belong. To to be fair, though, like the guy walked in to he was looking at his knife, and the guy walked in. Right? It wasn't that he had. It wasn't that he walked in, and then he goes, "Oh, let me get my knife." That wasn't what happened. But you don't think he was getting the knife out to go take him out, and he just Uh, happened to walk in. I mean, you have like a knife that you literally committed war crime of it okay you carry it with you when you're the cmo of the enterprise then you bring it into med bay in its little box while the guy that you were after is here and you look at it in the med what? bay <laughs> that's a lot of steps i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this it's not a good look but it's not the same it's not the, like you know it's like not that we must go here but like you know it's like when like kylo ren like you know becomes kylo ren in star wars like l- like luke luke makes the choice for him and and that's not that that's 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 the real problem you're like, probably you know, making a great argument. I'm just. Uh, are we allowed to talk about Star Wars? I, Star Wars? I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, not a Star Wars, Wars person, person, so I have no idea. Like I watched that mo- these movies once, yeah. and I was mostly confused <laughs> like, because uh, I didn't yeah. understand what was going on. So uh, I, I thought it was gonna be put in the penalty box, but like, but give me a Star we, Trek we, analogy. Give me a Star Trek analogy. Come on, an, an expense. I'll take the expense. Well, <laughs> the expense. Love it. I love the expense. Um, oh, that's good. But but. but in the end, like, you know, I, I look uh, like as, as far as this, like, you know, you can really want to hurt someone, kill someone, blah, blah, blah. I imagine not that I've done it recently, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke, everyone. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to come back. I want to come oh, yeah, back. Yeah, this is fun. Clive's out. He's like, I can't be a part of this. Though. I mean, I, I, the only thing I think you've murdered recently, Paul, is peanut hampers. So that's okay. Oh uh, uh, yeah, food. I was waiting. Oh, I've been waiting. Yeah, yeah, yes. right. But but like uh, but like you you know like but you're not a murderer until you take action. You can want to, and you could hate really. Like I have friends who I go like, oh, you really hate this group, and I go, I, there's no amount of like, of undamaged that like you know healing that can be done and 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 that that's a that's just a terrible thing to see and so i look at mbanga in this way i go like i i can see like remember the war has just been like under mm-hmm. five years ago this is not like it's not like 20 30 years right. this is five years ago since since this has happened which is how and Ortega so, gets away with me still liking her with her exactly, like, xenophobia it's, it's, <laughs> it's really fresh like you know and and don't forget the Federation was going to lose. Yeah. Like this, this, like, you know, this is, this is really. Right. Right. Which is why, like, I, I didn't have, it was surprising to me when they did the reveal of Mbenga being the butcher, you know, at Mm -hmm. the end of this, um, him talking about how, but then it was like, to me, we find out that the, um, general doc Ra, like he was the one who ordered everyone to start killing civilians yep, yep. right yeah yep. and so it's like to me the death him going to pursue the death of that guy i i could see that it is um interesting to me that he chose to instead of outing this guy 
to seek justice that then at the end, but I, you know, I mean, then it does put it back on him and that reputation is back on him. I I can see Paul, where you see like this complication and like this being like an interesting episode in that way. But, and to be fair, we don't entirely know that Chapel is lying entirely about who started the fight. Like, we, 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 <laughs> hang, hang on, hang on. Like, what, what happens is like, like it, in they the put ca- it behind that screen. Exactly, yeah. exactly. By by choice, mm-hmm. and and so like, I'm not saying that he didn't do. I think he did it. Right. <laughs> so, but but that's not the same as seeing someone do it. Right. I, I'm just I'm just I'm, saying like you know it like there there is. There is a space where, like, Mbenga, if he was innocent, he would be saying the exact same thing. I think, to me, I was also, I wanted more of the, so when they're doing the, like, hand-to-hand combat between yep. Doc Ra and Mbenga, to me, that was the best scene of the whole, of the whole episode. Like, watching both that physical and mental kind of, like, fight between the two mm-hmm. of them happening and that tete-a-tete, to me, that was, like, that's what I wanted to see happening is this, like, that was the full representation of that struggle between these two characters and between these two thought places, right. Of like, can you be redeemed, but can you really be redeemed if you don't even live in the truth? Mm -hmm. And then can you change who you were going forward? Right. That's the interesting question of the episode that like we've seen with the defector in TNG, right. With the Mm -hmm. Romulan defector. And you don't know if he's like, really right. affecting or not and mm-hmm. for me that was such an interesting plot i was like mm-hmm. i want to know if that dude is doing all this with an end game right. or if he really is helping the federation and nobody cares about that like the episode is like oh that's not important and i was like what do you mean yeah. this is super important to the episode yeah because Mbenga, okay, so it was Ghost Mission Impossible, James Bond, mm-hmm. I don't know what. Sure. I'm already pissed about that, by the way, like to start with from episode one, because Booker Bradshaw in TOS, like that guy wanted to be a force for good, right? And having a black doctor that is here for peace and like is respected in his trade, it, it was super important. And then they bring back Mbenga and instead of making him a positive character they make him that like horrible killer with a dark sure, past sure. and i'm like dude give me mm, give me one black man that's not a murderer can i like can i can i can i can i i uh, love cisco but like he did some shitty shit well uh, to, 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 to be to be fair, like Cisco has killed more Romulans. Yeah, that's than- <laughs> shady shit. He's into shady shit. Okay, but I'm like a positive father figure, a positive guy who has a good relationship with his kid, his coworker, who's here to be a force for good, who's a doctor, he's loving the people around him. No, no, he has to have like the highest kill in like all like black ops Starfleet, and I'm like, get the fuck out. Sorry. I don't remember. We we curse from time to time. It's okay. Um, I'm getting worked up. So then, okay, it's a redemption. I'm here for redemption Mm -hmm. arc. I'm absolutely here. He like saw the error of his way, became a doctor, took the Hippocratic off, off, and then what happens? He just like relapse and just goes and murder Klingons with a dagger in the head for the greater good. I'm like, okay, I'll. I'll, I'll give you the greater I, good. I didn't want to see that, to be honest, huh? first of all. And then I'm like, okay, still there. I'm like pissed, but I'm like, I'll I'll go with I, you. Redemption, redemption. Mm-hmm. I want to see redemption, right? 
But then you have like that whole story arc where basically it doesn't even try to see if the ambassador is doing the greater good because mm -hmm. he went and killed the Klingon for the greater good. You remember that, right? Mm -hmm. For yeah, helping. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. then that guy, like Uhura tells us that he did a lot, right? Mm -hmm. A yeah, lot yeah. of good. And yeah. himself, Mbenga, is on a redemption journey, right? From mm -hmm. his like mm -hmm. four times, right? And he wants to be a doctor to like redeem for that. So why can't he fathom that that guy is doing the same thing and that the greater good that that ambassador is doing right now is important because that's what he literally did in the past. And nowhere it's said that the ambassador is lying. If it was, the ambassador is actually lying, is mm -hmm. not a defector, is actually sure. still like pulling the a thing. Bad guy. Yep. And then he yep. murders him. I'd be still pissed at the more at the murder because like that dude take took a freaking oath, okay? Yeah, He's a doctor. And like he, he just is cool. It's just like like this. It's easy. And then he's been explained to Pike that some people cannot be forgiven and that the punishment for them is death. And like I'm like, again, you swore an oath that doesn't say that and so there's a lot of conflicting thing for me on like where they're pushing that character if he was like a security officer i'd be like sure why not but mm -hmm. like his own story is such in parallel with the ambassador's story that i don't mm -hmm. understand why he, we couldn't have an episode where there was an understanding where there was growth where there was redemption where there was something positive no it's just Let's murder the, the the guy and then let's just like lie about it and explain to Pike and no, some people should just die. And I'm like, damn, is your CMO? That's not cool at all. <laughs> I am. Um, I wanted to jump in because someone made an interesting point of like, <laughs> if, if this guy had lived, would the Klingons have become members of the Federation sooner, right? Like, what are the grand The Klingons have never been Federation members. Right, right, right. But you know what they I mean? Both. Like, yeah, the relationship yeah. between the Klingons yeah. and, and the Federation. I also wanted to ask, so in the beginning of the episode, there is the flashback to the start of the Klingon War and some discovery um, pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And I really wish i know there is so much backlash against the discovery klingons but i really wish we had a mixture <laughs> of klingons in this episode yes. to have bridged those two things because it, you know i went to neville page's comic-con panel and he said the the toe the line thing is we don't talk about the klingons <laughs> and i was like dang neville page um but it's like even if you had done them with i, I feel like they were trying to with like some hair but not all the hair mm -hmm. with this well, general but like like, I, I heard somewhere that they said that, like, in order to make season one work, they go, like, in war, the Klingons shave off all their hair. And so that, that's right. how. And so, But then I, when they're when Mbenga's stabbing all of those lieutenants and generals, they all have hair. They had hair. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so to they, me, those should have like been. I mean, the biggest TNG. question about Klingons yeah. is how Worf can, like, be stabbed through and through by a Vulcan and survive no worries and that dude takes a small dagger in the shoulder and he's dead I well, want to know uh, well actually like, you know, <laughs> Klingon physi physiology does really well with prune juice well there's prune juice but isn't their heart in a slightly different place so perhaps yeah. Benga found like the, the, the right oh he knows he knows, how to, he knows. Yeah. because he's a doctor 
Because he's both a doctor and an assassin. That's it. It makes him good at both. Like, you know, because he's good at one, he's good at the other. Yeah. Here's where I was struggling with this is Doc Rock just didn't feel like any Klingon I've ever seen. Like, Worf is typically the most, even especially new Worf, right? Mm -hmm. Like Picard era Worf is the most pacifist, meditating, tranquil Klingon we've ever seen. This Klingon... It's talking shit about other Klingons. (laughs) But to be fair... He is, but it's just... just When he said it, I went, ooh. (laughs) Well, but to be fair, like, you know, he turned his back on his culture, and... He ran mm-hmm. away. He's a coward. He's like Duras in that way. Mm-hmm. So, oh, like the defector I, I, in TNG again, the Roman and, defector. I don't remember and, his and, name, but exactly. So, like you know, I I had no problem with him being like you would have to be this way in order to live your life working on the other side, right? I, I, I'm, I'm just saying that, that that's my that's my take it's, of it. it. It is interesting. It was almost like a really extreme code switch, right? Like he's going like yeah. I have to appeal to the Federation people, so I'm mm-hmm. going to sound exactly like the Federation people. I, I, the whole time I'm thinking, this guy's a double agent. Like the mm. whole time I'm really? like, he's so, not. He, he is. The first thing he asked for is, "Can I get a crew? Can I get a tour of your ship?" Yeah, yeah. The mm, flagship. I agree. The whole it's, time yeah. I'm so thinking. Interesting. So because I, 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 like, but to me that would have been a really interesting arc if you had six more episodes and you were gonna to really follow that out. Like that was gonna be really interesting to me. And then you killed him in a weird way at the end and i was like now i'll never know so, so here here's my when, when i watched this episode the episode that i thought most of was in the pale moonlight in deep space nine mm. because this is where uh this is where cisco tricks the romulans to join the dominion war and like at the and end can leave with that and he can live with that right giraffe <laughs> and, and so like so basically all the romulans that die in the dominion war Cisco's fault. Cisco and Garrick. It, I, I'm just saying, like, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. But but why but you accept that. And this is it's one of my top ten episodes. Because like it goes like, oh, because there's a price for utopia. You know, like like not you can't always play clean. And that's what the the episode said. And I go like, oh, that's a very interesting thing to put into track. Because like before that, like, you know, it, it's not really done that way. Like the idea that like utopia has a price, you know? And so in this one, I go like, uh, is it going to be like that? And I go like, oh, they're actually going even more, more dark with this, which in some ways doesn't feel, it feels less like Trek than what I want in Trek, which is why it's not my favorite episode, uh, which I go like, oh, this is, this is, this feels less Trek to me and more of a darker sci-fi thing uh, thematically. Very Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> that's exactly that, that, that. That's not a bad example. Very. It is more. It, it seems more Galactica, where it's a survival thing, or at least more personal stakes. Mm-hmm. And so, so mm-hmm. we're dealing with this person who who's going and saying like, "Oh, I am I am the harbinger of death. Do I forgive? Can I forgive this person for killing all these Klingons and humans and all these people responsible for that person, even though?" I can see that they're doing good now. 
Mm. Even like, you know, like, can, can he do that? And, and, and I, and although it's not a question that I think is a Star Trek question to ask, I think it's, it's a really interesting question from a story standpoint. Right. Like, like is forgiveness something that can be given? Can mere humans give forgiveness for atrocities? Mm. You know, and, I, and you go to Clyde, you know, I disagree with you a little bit. I'm not, I'm actually gonna, I'm not, I'm actually gonna agree with you. I I think that was, that would have been a really interesting story. And I think in old track, the entire episode would have centered around that point. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I felt like they were teasing it a little bit, but we didn't get enough of like, you didn't put me in a position to really understand his arc, his journey, his mm-hmm. hero's journey mm-hmm. from the dark side to the light side that put me in a position where I believed or cared, right? Mm-hmm. He, the whole thing is he he felt hollow to me, right? So if you, like, if you had seen, is one thing to tell me, right? But if you had shown me mm-hmm. him on a planet building houses for children or something like that right that's where they encountered him or something Mm -hmm. like they had to pick him up and because i feel like that would have been the tng intro yeah they would have showed up at the planet they would have like they like we're waiting for he's busy a way team would have went down and he'd been like i can't come right now we're building this village right like these people need houses and they like the whole first 10 minutes would have been trying to get him to stop doing that and then come on this Mm -hmm. trip with them that would have set the tone for me to go, this guy's serious, right? I like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like right. him. Like, like, are oh, you rooting for him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. And, and, but I don't also say, like, to your point, Clyde, to build all that, this is actually the the second episode where we see Ninja and Benga, right? We saw episode <laughs> one. <laughs> we saw episode one, which I bumped on because I go, like, yeah. where, is this, where is this ninja is this coming from? from? Yeah. 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 And, and now with this, I go, I accept episode one so much more. Right. But yes. to, to, to be this, to be fair, like to, if this episode were like the fifth of a five episode arc, I would, I would, it would be better. Like right now it, it's really intense for like, you know, the, you, you have to trust the audience to make all these jumps to go yeah. with him to do mm-hmm. these things. So like, uh, I'll, I'll tweak yours a little bit, Paul, and say, if we got these flashbacks in episode one, Mm-hmm. It would have made way more sense. Even yeah. just a few of them, you know, yeah. even just a few of them. One thousand percent. And yeah. I have to say that I'm like at the end of this episode, I want to know more about Dakra than like about Mbenga. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, sure. I want to know the story of that Klingon ambassador right now. Mm-hmm. And right. how did they he believe for him to be a traitor? Like yeah. I, I wanted to see that. Like right now, it's like irrelevant to the plot i'm like that was the most interesting thing you had going why why didn't you give me more about this especially post klingon war right yeah i thought gp brought up an interesting point that raw in this episode seems not unlike some mega church minister i've also been watching a lot of righteous gemstones so this could be why i want to talk about this (laughs) um very much like he was attracted to power whether it was klingon or federation which is interesting Mm -hmm. to you know if we are making some of these leaps right is that essentially he gives the order kill everyone he's all of his lieutenants and general getting taken out he flees and is like just kidding um i was trying to stop all of these people look Mm -hmm. at how powerful and wonderful i am Mm-hmm. You know, these are the, and, it, and I will say it was, I, it took me, I had to rewatch like the last 20 minutes to fully understand the sequence of events, you know, Same. to, to, to kind of get from 
oh, he pretended that he did this thing of killing all these generals because they were doing the bad thing. And that's how he, you know, came to power in Starfleet. But in fact, he was just a scaredy cat who ran away and ran to Starfleet and was like, just kidding. I'm a good person. Um, uh, this is one thing I don't understand, though. Like, okay, so everybody has seen The Expanse? I have not seen The Expanse, yes. but... Good. Uh, okay, so um, uh, small spoiler. Small spoiler. So there's this character called the Butcher of uh, Anderson Station, and he's a military. Yeah. And as a as a military sent to murder a bunch of workers was striking, right? And he murders everybody. And then he has this redemption arc, and he, he flips to the other side, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a butcher because he murdered a bunch of civilians, right? Mm-hmm. Why is Mbenga calling himself the butcher when he called a, he killed a bunch of Klingon warrior like Dakora for me is still the butcher he sent the mm-hmm. order to kill all the colonists all the families and all the kids so that's why I had to rewatch these twenty minutes because I was like I don't understand why is he seeing that he's the butcher of Jagal like did he murder civilians and actually no so I still no. don't really get the sequence of events that make him call himself the butcher uh, as i understand it like how the klingons call him the butcher because not mbenga uh dakra dakra because mm-hmm. he killed his he killed fellow klingons you know like on oh. on another level the person like you know we would call him the butcher if we knew that he killed all these people but and mbenga is just using that name i'm the one who killed the klingons i'm the butcher. Oh, okay so like, i was just like, like so, so. wait what yeah it was just mm-hmm. and and the the thing with this like butcher thing also, I mean, it brings a lot of like true parallels in history, you know, like a lot of people have sure. been called like the butcher. And I'm just like, I don't get I don't get why they're throwing that in the middle here. I, I don't well, to me there was a lot of like in in Doc Ra's kind of storyline, it paralleled a lot of like, I watch a lot of the documentaries about like the trials of like the generals during World War II, right? Mm -hmm. And like what happened to like Nazi generals at that time who are like, we're following orders. And like, there's a lot of people who were called the butcher of whatever Mm -hmm. horrific site they were at. Mm -hmm. And uh, to your point, Giraffe. And so I think there were that things of like, uh, and that was something, you know, when a lot of those people were put on trial is like, is there justice within this system for something this big and horrific is mm-hmm. like the big question that was posed in a lot of these documentaries. And to your, to, I think a lot of your points, Paul is like one of the big questions they're trying to pose here in this episode is, is there, is there actually justice when there is this level of injustice and is Mbenga just deciding that he doesn't believe that this justice can actually occur. Which well, makes we- it, makes him a vi- vigilante, right? Right, very vigilant. Well, that's that, 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 that's what uh, that's what the captain's saying, right? At the end, he mm-hmm. goes like, "Like you can't do that." We, you know, we have tribunals for that, and blah blah blah. Like it, it's tough, right? Like you know, like I, I'm a person who, who who goes and says like, "You have to respect the rule of law because, like, without that, you know, like you you have vigilant, you have anarchy, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like uh, at the same time, like you know, like here here is this thing where I, I like there was this meme where I saw this this dude talking and this kid uh like maybe about 18 years old or whatever like cracks an egg on his on the back of his head and then the guy turns around he looks at him and then punches the kid now I'm not saying you punch it 
you know, a kid for cracking egg on your face. But I go like, I do understand the impulse for like that kind of like, like that you want that quick sense of, of like, you want to, you can, you have the ability to create balance and I'm going to do that now. And I'm, I'm going to be the arbiter of that. And I, like, I could definitely see like, you know, here, and Benga is really going like, get off the ship, go away. You're not safe here. I can't trust myself around you. And the guy just keeps on pushing, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, and you know, I, I can see how, and once again, it's five years out from like the war mm-hmm. and it, it, it's, it's fresh. He's dealing with a lot of PTSD that his black ops stuff doesn't, it's not in his file. Pike doesn't know this stuff. Like, you know, he, he's not going to know that like he, he's fair, fair. I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's just like, Oh, you were a, a, a medical officer. Saw a bunch of horrific things. I don't but, know. But, wait, 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 in like the episode yeah. where they all lost their memory and we don't get uh, to yeah. know anything about Zach. Um, yeah. He knows he's a very good fighter because he asks mm-hmm. him to be on the mission. Trust. Uh-huh. That's yeah. true. He does know he's... And not as a doctor. So that's true. Yeah. That's true. But, but, but like, you know, like. Nice giraffe. Just because someone can fight doesn't mean that they're they're ninja. <laughs> I mean, so the the next thing I want to pose is I am ready for this Section 31 movie where Mbenga uh-huh. yeah. is, is. And that's why we don't get him in TOS. Um, we can, we, moves we, over. We, and then we can finally. Yeah, well, also because I want to see Babs and Michelle Yeoh do stunt yeah. work together because yeah, no. it will be impeccable. <laughs> it's yeah, going to no. be impeccable. Yeah, yeah. no, it, 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 I was watching, you know, as I was watching the fight, like, uh, I was going like, oh, you can tell that uh, that uh, Babs is really handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you, you, the cutting for the, they're cutting for the other guy because the yeah. other guy isn't as, as handy. Like, you know, you get like he's uh, Babs is in like Dune, right? And he, yeah. He gets he gets shanked by like you know Timothy Chalamet. He has <laughs> but, like, a black he, belt in like jujitsu or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can you can see that he understands the movement of his body and like you know and that he oils himself up all the time. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you looked great. That shower scene was like oh, I, feel, I feel you emotionally and physically when he said Sonic showered full blast, baby. <laughs> Everybody's too good looking on that cast. It's not possible. I mean, literally, I was watching that and I was just like, I'm going to do some push-ups, lift some weights because feeling okay, bad about myself right there. Someone in the like... chat maybe has my favorite prediction I've seen for episode 10. That's so what I night... told you. Didn't I tell you that? No, you haven't told me this. Uh, I've been I know the about med- this for like four days. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the med day is incubating a Gorn. Is that why it's glitching? I have oh, slightly different theories. How, how, how would that have, have happened? I have With, a slightly that, different theory. So the, at the beginning, yeah. he says that the biobeds have been problematic since the Gorn attack, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that maybe that's how the Gorn managed to put the eggs into people. Mm. Every the time they get into the bio beds and they get like some procedure done, it like, or it makes them ready to be, you know, assimilated. Maybe machines. <laughs> like it yeah, changes I'm something a... in them that makes them not reject the eggs or something like that. Uh, or last last theory, <laughs> it makes it makes the bio bed incapable of seeing that they've been infected by the gorn. Oh, that, that, that's good. That's good. 
Like, that's my, my that's hope, my theories going on. Like for episode ten, my hope is that there's a hand to hand fight between Pike and Agorn. Just Let's like just a pair. You know, I, I was looking up like you know how old Aston is, and he's fifty. And I go like you know I, I'm getting close to that age. I I'm nowhere near like. Like running a starship, I'm not captain of a starship, and I just feel I, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just I feel like oh I'm 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 not living to my full potential. You can if you can answer about your own way. That's right. If you're if you're Pike, and you know when you die, and you know it's not by Gorn attack, like oh, yeah, would that I mean, make you superhero? Would that but make but you a superhero? The, this is the thing though. Like this, that's this, all this more. Is, this is the problem with like the, the determinism of, of of time in Star Trek for for Pike. Like he can do anything, right? Like he can take his, you know, he he he's undeadable in if if he if he really believes that. Mm-hmm. So he, he it's you know like it's it's too much of a superpower to to know exactly when you die. Like you know, it, not 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 just like a vision of, but like know the exact day time. Who died with you? Like you know, well, he's that, that. not dying. First of all, he's not okay. Bop, yes. Bop, boop, boop, boop. yes, yes, yes. He's not dying. That's right. So, 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 so when he goes beep beep, like you know, he knows when that is, and that's ten years out. He could do anything. He he could go down to a Klingon planet and just kill everyone without with one toothpick. And yeah, but that fine. doesn't stop the Klingons from putting him in prison and torturing the shit out of him for like five years or so. Yeah, like, do you want this? You, you, make, you, make <laughs> <laughs> you make a fair point. I should not be given like 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 prophecy power. That, that, that is not something I should be given. That, that, you, you've, you've proven that to me. Well done. Paul, well done. Paul, you want him in episode seven just to walk over to the Orion and just smack him in the face. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all this stuff. Like, you know. <laughs> um, Although I, I would really like call back to 07, I really want to see live action Tendi. I would True. love to see live action Tendi. Um, Someone earlier said, kind of call back, they were like, I really wish that they had, had uh, Noel Wells play live action Tendi's grandmother. Oh, that would have been on the cute. Ship. That would have been amazing, and we didn't see it. Yeah, I know. I thought maybe when they were staring through the portal, maybe they would have had the live action versions of them just doing oh, like God, a wave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Just like a short cameo, but I was like, I realized that's more money that they probably didn't want to spend on this episode. Um, But uh, anything else y'all want to talk about in these two action-packed episodes? Yes, I love Chapel in that episode. Oh, finally. We didn't speak about her, but like after a two full season almost of her doing nothing... We see her not attached to a man for romantic interest. We see her do her job and be incredible at it and be caring and being smart and being fearless and being not here to be arm candy for Spock or like emotional support nurse for Spock. And I was so happy to see her here and like her giving her a little bit of backstory also and how she deals with all this. And, and now it makes me even more mad that we didn't see her do more badass stuff on the enterprise when we know how incredible she is. Like, come on. I almost, so like I was thinking about, um, how it would have been interesting if chapel had taken the serum and had been, if chapel was the butcher. 
I mean, Damn. I would not have been happy with that either. I know, but <laughs> but what a backstory that would give Chapel, right? <laughs> I just well, you, you I, can I'm, see why she had, she picks like you know temporary relationships then. Yeah, true. I'm I'm disappointed that we don't have 18 episodes of, of this show. Like I'm too much. Money I, I feel like night. I know, but it's just especially if you're gonna do it like this. Mm. right like listen the crossover episode was great right but from a story standpoint it, it didn't really crossover episode didn't really move the story and then next week we've got a musical like I, those are all cool ideas but in an 18 episode a 20 episode format then now i'm looking at those i'm like i love them and now you can tell me more about this klingon war you can tell me more about like we still haven't gotten an Ortega's backstory. You know, the Gorn thing can go on for four episodes or five episodes. There's a lot you can do if you're giving me 18. I got two left. Like I'm I'm struggling here. And and it, I said the same thing I said, I think, what was it with Discovery? Don't do that thing where you try and wrap up the whole thing and, and tie up all the arcs in like an episode and a half. Like, please don't do that. I mean, gonna I'm sure do we, might that, that, slight, right? <laughs> we might get a slight like um, cliffhanger is a potential um, since they th I think they thought they were going to get season three to us a lot sooner. And now we have the strike, which we fully support and Paramount, you should be paying your people. AI cannot write these episodes. It would have been even worse <laughs> as far as tropes go. I'm just saying, like, you know, no robot is going to get creative. <laughs> um so yeah, Paramount pay your writers and your actors. Um, I wanted to just quickly mention, so Clint Howard is in this episode. I don't know yes. if y'all recognize Martinez. him. Buck Martinez. Yes. Martinez, who uh, first appeared at six years old in TOS, and he has since been in Deep Space Nine TNG. In the Corbo Mike Maneuver, right? Yes. Tiny child. And um, I want to add one of my favorite cameo of Clint Howard is in the French, in French, where he mm -hmm. plays Emmanuel Grayson, who's convinced that he has contact with the Vulcan. And Grayson <laughs> is Amanda Grayson. So it's like a, a Star Trek thing. And he does like the Vulcan salute. And it's an amazing episode. He's like several times in French if you go rewatch it. It's mm -hmm. a very good show. I do like, I do like French. Yeah. Um, anything else, y'all? I know, but I think I think we, we we've uh, we've relegated everyone for a, quite a long time. I know our, it's uh, almost two hours yeah, long, y'all. We appreciate you still listening. <laughs> one last thing: the the guy that they say or that Mbenga saved in Chapel, who when they she actually mm -hmm. manually kept his heart. I was so hoping that that was they they didn't have, they never told us his name. Inman, Ensign so Inman. Inman. I, oh yeah, mm -hmm. I was hoping that we were gonna get something that told us that he was someone like Same. the grandfather or something for someone i was just like come on throw mm -hmm. us throw us a bone and it just it didn't and i was a little disappointed for us a cisco like there was like jambalaya and Arcagino, and i was like come on give me something <laughs> give me something <laughs> I was hoping that maybe this was like Jordy's great grandfather who, oh, that would have been good. you know, had, who had said, Hey, I was a soldier and I don't ever want to be a soldier. And that's how the LaForges became engineers or something like, like, give me something. That's what I was hoping for. Something mm -hmm. along those lines. We can write that canon that can exist in our heads. <laughs>
all up there. Okay, y'all, we've kept you for so long. Thank you for going along this ride with us. It's been a crazy time. Comic-Con was super fun. Um, We'll get some more bonus content for y'all around that too. Um, Giraffe, I think you had a coupon code for people, especially for making it all the way to the end here. Yeah, okay. So uh, if you like that shirt that I'm wearing, um, we have a partnership with Heroes and Villain. I don't know if you know the brand, but they have a lot of cool uh, sci-fi nerd things. And uh, if you use the coupon Strange, you can have 20% off. So go have fun. (laughs) Add Astra per Aspera. It's a good t-shirt. I saw some of the other (laughs) t-shirts. I would definitely wear almost all of them. Um, (laughs) check that out. We will be back next week to talk about the musical. Get ready, y'all. It's going to be. And also like stay tuned for more uh, hot dog uh, and uh... hot dog bread chat. A hot dog chat bread chat. That's right. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. We enjoy it. You're always welcome, giraffe. Always welcome, my Trek work wife. Um, you are always. And now the episode is like two hours because you know I talk too much. I know that <laughs> it is all good. Okay, y'all. We will see you next time. Follow us at um, Star Trek Pod on Twitter. Thank you, Karen, for helping us there. Um, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be really great if you did that. Visit StarTrekPod.co for links. Also, so you can join us over on Patreon. We appreciate you all so much. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye everyone.